You're listening to WKXL in the morning. I'm your host, AJ Kirsten. Let's get the latest in New Hampshire government news with the friends of the New Hampshire Bulletin. Get their articles at NewHampshireBulletin.com. They join WKXL in the morning every Friday, and this week, senior reporter Anne-Marie Timmon is, is back to the show. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be back. All right, so let's start off with uh, there's been an ongoing discussion over the last year basically around abortion and the state's laws around it. And it looks like there is some progress with regards to some uh, narrowing down some aspects to it. So this specifically is a Senate bill that was passed around a fatal fetal anomaly exception at around the 24-week mark. Uh, What's going on with that? Yeah, we saw that pass today in the Senate. So there was number a number of bills beginning in the session that sought a fatal fetal anomaly. So after 24 weeks, um, if you had a baby that would not survive upon delivery or, you know, shortly thereafter would pass um, there, they were seeking an exception for that from the 24 week ban. So that's a fatal fetal anomaly that failed in the Senate earlier this year. Uh, right along with it, uh, exceptions for incest and rape. Um, there was an attempt at one point to remove the criminal penalties and civil penalties uh, for doctors in the current law. So if a doctor was to violate it, it's up to seven years in prison and up to $100,000 fine. So there's been attempts all session to pick away parts of that. Um, those have all failed, but today fatal fetal anomaly came back Um, was something very different happened yesterday. I'm sorry, last week, the Senate um, Judiciary Committee, the three Republicans on that committee dropped their opposition to it and said, we will back this now. And the reason is they said, um, you know, we've heard from the moms who've been in this terrible situation, very late in pregnancy, have a, a baby that does not have a brain or missing a chamber of their heart. And we want to be able to decide what to do in those cases. For some women, it's to deliver early so they can hold the baby um, until it passes. Others make different choices. And their point was, we want to make that choice. So today, the Senate did pass that bill. Um, It was, I think, all but five Republicans joined um, Democrats in passing that. It'll go to the governor's desk. He said he will sign it. He has One complaint with the bill is he said it did not go far enough for him. Um, He wanted exceptions for rape and incest, and he wanted also to drop the um, criminal criminal penalties, civil penalties. So I think his quote was, uh, see it in my story later today, uh, I think it was, doesn't go far enough. Well, we can go back, though, and see if we can get more of that next time, but it's a good first step. Yeah, this is basically going to be going forward what, how it's going to be handled. Like the bill's most likely not going to get scrapped anytime soon that, that got passed last year. It's going to be very much whittling at it and narrowing it down to uh, into a way that hopefully they, everyone can meet in the middle at some level about. Yeah, I, I think we saw for years occasionally um, there would be efforts to impose some sort of a restriction on abortion in the state. Um, it would go away with not a lot of fanfare. I think from going forward now, New Hampshire, like a lot of states, all states probably are going to see a lot of legislation around abortion, especially um, given that Roe may fall at the Supreme Court or fall in part or or be very different than what it is now. So, yes, I think we can expect this to come back and uh, back and back. Yeah, definitely. And, and if somehow Roe and Planned Parenthood v. Casey, all the all this case law gets altered by the U.S. Supreme Court later this year, that it'll basically put New Hampshire in a much more secure spot, which in theory, hopefully, because it's going to be 
it's going to be a mess at so many different states across the country because it's basically going to be down to federalism to determine how uh, abortion is handled. It, it will be very interesting. It's very hard already to track what states are doing now. And there's been a hundred plus restrictions put in place and um, that, that's going to continue. It is hard to know, like in Vermont in Massachusetts in Maine, if those states restrict abortion, which it doesn't seem like they're, poised to do that. But if they did, we would see more people coming to New Hampshire. Um, the providers in this state are already fielding uh, calls and inquiries from people from out of state. Uh, so depending on what happens around us, I think that will continue. And I think then the question is there legislation that follows that would say we can't provide abortions to people in other states somehow. So I just think this is not going away anytime soon for either side. Yeah, and the the enforcement aspect to it, I'm really, it, it seems very much playing politics a little bit from Governor Sununu saying that he wants to see the uh, criminal and civil penalties removed. I, you, you, what's the, there's no point in having the law if there's no penalties to it. So I, I, cold day in hell kind of comes to mind if for Republicans ever si- siding with any with penalties going away. I, I think it would be I was surprised to see if that is taken away, although they passed a bill last year that said if you're a public agency of any kind and you demand um, proof of vaccination to get in somewhere to get a benefit, um, you're in trouble. And there were no penalties in that law. And I asked and they said, well, we just figured people could sort out in the civil uh, courts. And there was another bill this session, too, and there were no penalties. Um, they were removed. And I'm forgetting now which it, which bill it was, but the same thing, like we'll pass this, but take the criminal penalties out. And then, right, what is the law symbolic? Is it to chill possible illegal behavior? Um, but this one, I think these will probably stay for a while. And providers in this field say, it's already hard to recruit maternal fetal specialists to this state. Fear of prison is not going to help that, they think, and it will hurt it. So there's uh, moving over to COVID vaccines, or at least I'm assuming it's around. It's this is based around COVID vaccines. I'm assuming that in theory this is a much broader concept. There's a conscientious objector exemption that's being discussed. Yes. Yeah, so if you currently, if you do not want to get a vaccine, and your employer mandates that you could cite a religious or medical. Um, argument for being exempted from that. And you would file that and your employer would evaluate it and decide whether to grant it. And part of that consideration is, well, can we find a reasonable accommodation? Could you mask at work? Could you work from home? Um, Could you work sort of separately from everyone else in the office? This bill would add a very broad and undefined exception to that. It would be called been called a lot of things. Um, Conscious objection. I call it a moral objection. It's basically if you have any reason to oppose a vaccine, you can just say that. And the other changes now, um, employers will not have a chance to evaluate those claims for uh, legitimacy or for further documentation, whatever it is they're looking for, they have to grant them um, and then move on to accommodation. So it's very, It's concerning uh, for lots of reasons. A big one is this does not line up with what Medicaid and Medicare allow um, in their healthcare settings. If you want that money, you need to follow federal rules, which is we don't have a moral exception. So that would put, oh, I think it was two plus billion dollars a year at risk for New Hampshire hospitals. because if if they don't if they start doing this, which they would have to under this law, they would 
likely lose that money. We saw something similar come up this session um, that would have essentially applied the same logic to county and state-run medical facilities like New Hampshire Hospital or county nursing homes. And they did drop that moral objection piece once they realized they were going to be seeing $160 million just in state and county money they'd have to come up with. Um, and that has made it through. I think we will see the same shakeout here uh, for this one, but to be determined, I guess. Yeah, it, it's there's so many surprising uh industries in the state that rely on that the federal money to be coming in i'd imagine the university system would be impacted by something like this um community college system i'd imagine is is would be part of that also and uh, there's so many different other contractors from security to um economic development and such that would probably all be impacted well, just, you know, think of all the federal money that comes down for just about everything. Uh, if you're a reporter today, you probably get four or five emails. This money has come in. That money has come in. And so even if someone is not a government employer or obviously a government agency, their money is just so broadly spread out in the state and all states that hard to think who might not be getting uh, federal money. Just think about grants. It can be state public money. You know, you uh, our arts organizations receive grants uh, to survive. That would make them, you know, fall under this as well. So it's pretty broad. There's not a threshold. You don't have to receive a certain amount to be captured by this bill. It would be any amount at all. And as it is, the religious exemption, air quotes, is very broad. Like, like you can literally say that for so many different things, and still keep in keep in line with uh, with what the feds want. I, it, this seems like we're really pushing the luck because they want to uh, instead of kind of BS their way around it to to do it to have it on paper. And the relig- you're right about the religious exemption. There's been guidance um, since COVID that. You know, it, it doesn't matter if the Pope says he believes in the vaccine, you can be a practicing Catholic and say, I don't believe in it. Um, and that does not disqualify you. So it is very, very broad right now. Um, the one thing that the sponsor of this bill told me was he's heard from people who are live a very organic lifestyle and they don't want to take vaccines for any reason. They don't take cold medicine. They eat only a great organic food. And they felt for this vaccine um, that that should apply, that they don't want to put that into their, their body. Um, it'd be, I'd be curious to know if I could talk with them and have they felt that way about other vaccines in the past. There's certainly been such a heightened attention on vaccine now, um, and it's sort of spilled beyond that. I mean, this this moral objection would be for any vaccine now, flu vaccine. Um, they had attempted to also get it in place for school vaccines, for chickenpox or mumps, and that also was taken out. So I think we'll see this go away as well before um, before we're done this session. Yeah, this is above and beyond what you're talking about. But I mean, ultimately, if you if you feel that strongly against the government making any sort of mandate like that, I'm kind of surprised you work in one of these industries <laughs> anyway. So, I mean, how many people is this are honestly working in these that uh, will be impacted? It'll be kind of interesting. I don't think this will, this will make it through, but if it does. but And it is a small number of people we're hearing that do um, – object to the vaccine and don't want to take it, saying that it's very real for them, their fear or their concern. Um, But it is a small number. Um, We don't know exactly how many. Uh, We don't really have our vaccine registry up 
and running at full speed yet. And even if we do do that and you choose not to get a vaccine or you choose not to have your vaccine recorded, we wouldn't know those numbers. So it is um, sort of unknowable. And, you know, employment lawyer talked to a committee today and said, we are an at-will state. If you don't like the terms of your employment, you can leave and go find a new job. And that is, is really, I think, what it comes down to. Um, the sponsor of this bill pointed to a Supreme Court case, um, which is it. Well, he didn't point to it. I guess the counter argument is the Supreme Court case. He said, you know, the Bill of Rights says we have an inalienable right to rights of conscience. And we do. Um, the Supreme Court of New Hampshire found on the 30s that that actually does not apply to vaccine. That applies to practice of religion. And they rejected that argument in a vaccine case. So it was pretty on point. Um, so for all those reasons, I think this is we may not be talking about this again when I'm back because it'll be gone. Yeah, very much. So moving over to uh, personal privacy bill, the uh, it looks like the attorney general's office has some concerns. So there's there is a bill that's making its way through legislature pretty quickly. It, right now, if you are a member of a nonprofit in New Hampshire, your um, name when you register that nonprofit and then going forward, the AG's office has access to that name. That is public information. Um, there was a bill that is it's been amended a bit, but still it would make donor names private. Um, and the AG's argument is, well, we don't ask for donor names except when there has been a scam and we want to get restitution for a victim. Otherwise, we don't ask for donor names. We do need the names of boards of directors when they register because we need to monitor for conflicts of interest. And this bill in its original form was going to make that impossible. So there has been amended, although the AG's office still concerned about it, now they can have that information when a nonprofit is registered, but they can't release it to the public. And should they bring a lawsuit against a nonprofit for wrongdoing, that has to be filed under seal. So all those tra that transparency would be gone. Um, so you may not know that, oh, the AG's office sued the nonprofit that I've been donating to. I had no idea. How do they find you? Um, how do you know to find them? So it takes out um, that real, you know, public transparency piece. It's an example of what we've seen this session is uh, the right to privacy is shifting from the public and the right to transparency is shifting from the public to private individuals. And so their right to privacy really is trumping the public's access to information and protection um, you know, by the government or against scams and what have you. So it's just another example where the individual's privacy concern is really paramount in a lot of lawmakers' minds. And we, we've seen this across multiple bills this session. Yeah, it, it brings brings comes to mind a whole bunch of things that have happened over the last few years with regards to uh, like uh, companies versus private individuals. Like Citizens United is an obvious example of that, mm -hmm. where um, where free where right to express using your money mm -hmm. carries over to corporations. And uh, thanks Hillary Clinton for that. That's why her campaign is often forgotten as a big part of the reason why Citizens United happened and the ability to continue for corporations to be able to do that. It, it, it's there's a, There is this confusing legal line between the ability of corporations, whether nonprofit, commercial, 
um, activists, whatever, like where where's the line between a person and them? And in the U.S., it, it's very gray. <laughs> and it's it's a very technical bill. It's a little bit hard to explain in a fun way or a human way, um, which makes it you know hard for people to really um, pay attention to and feel passionate about. Um, but it you know the people who are pushing this bill. Um, and it ranges from Americans for Prosperity on the right to the ACLU, which surprised me because that's a organization that's very much about. Those two don't agree much. <laughs> and it's about public protections, really. And they can't explain why they support it, frankly. They say, well, we signed in, but we don't really have anything more to say about it. Um, so it's this broad group of people who are supporting it. And when you hear them talk about it, their argument is the most important thing we're looking for is privacy of donors so that they are not getting solicitations. You know, it was I think the quote was they don't want a conga line of people asking for more money. Um, is that really a reason the AG's office asked to eliminate, you know, transparency to the public for protection of a very like the whole state? Um, so that's the that's the tension there. They don't focus on this other piece, which is how how will we monitor for conflicts of interest? But that's very much captured in the bill. That remains in there. Um, the part that they can't share with us, um, who's who's doing bad things. Uh, so we'll see if that comes out. It's not like I said. It's a bill that's difficult to get excited about. Um, so it doesn't hasn't really captured lawmakers interest and gotten a lot of like passionate arguments from the public. And that's where sometimes a bill kind of gets into trouble. So about two minutes left here. I, I spoke to Ethan last week about it. The New Hampshire Bulletin's been around for one year now. It's the, the senior reporter over at the operation. How's it feel uh, making it through this this first year? I'd imagine it, it's a uh, it, it was a little um, uh scary at first moving from traditional print around the state to doing this it was like i didn't really know what to expect i had not worked in online journalism i had been gone a while um but it's it was it was great to be back uh, the press corps hasn't changed much and it's a very friendly press corps at least to one another in this state um it's been a great year um i wasn't sure how long i'd have to explain you know this is amory timmons i'm calling from the bulletin the bulletin is and now they'll say, oh, I know what the bulletin is. I'll have them call you back. So I feel like it's caught on. We've gotten a lot of good feedback. Um, I love the piece, especially that anyone can run our content for yeah. free because it really allow it fills in some gaps because we know print journalism has taken a hit and those newsrooms have been decimated. So it's nice to be in a collaborative position um, in this state with the other press, my press friends. Do you expect more outlets like the Bolton to start popping up, especially with the Creative Commons licensing, which is just amazing to see everyone sharing news like this? Am I allowed to say I don't want that to happen? <laughs> uh, I think we have How enough. About non government focused. How about that? Um, it would be great. I think, I mean, we are, are so well supported. There's 20 plus of us now. States Newsroom has 20 plus outlets around the country. It's all funded by donors and grants. I mean, that is so encouraging that there is a public interest in getting independent news. So, I mean, let's hope so. I think something just opened up in Maine. Um, you know, I think other organizations are also going to come here. I know of one a big newspaper that's looking to open up another uh, spread to New Hampshire. Um, but I do, a nonprofit is really working um, 
So I, I wouldn't be surprised the support is there. I always think, is it, are they still funding us or, or is money still coming in? And they, they said, yeah, there's a real appetite for this kind of news. So I would not like to be out of a job, but I wouldn't mind if there were more nonprofit news organizations. I love it personally. It, it makes it makes me trust it a little more as you know, like what they're doing for the most part and all, all the ethics and everything for States Newsroom and such is all posted on the website. You guys list everything on your site with who you're affiliated with and um, it, it's great seeing your you, in fact it's confusing I've tried to talk to Jeff Feingold I'm like okay which one is his I, I to, spoke to Ethan about this last week I don't need to talk to talk to Jeff about this well, it's it there yes just say yes <laughs> awesome Amory Timmons senior reporter over the New Hampshire Bulletin thanks so much for joining me thank you I'll see you in a few weeks NewHampshireBulletin.com to get more from them I'm AJ Kirsten host of WKXL in the morning be sure to listen in Monday through Friday from 6 to 8 a.m. we'll be right back after this